Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we sign to a one day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, love us where you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me as always, Josh Klein, editor-in-chief for the Riot Report, the only Goldberg fan left in the world, and is officially throwing his weight behind a Josh Rosen signing. Oh, yeah? That's right. That's right, baby. When the quarterback carousel stops spinning, it's going to be like the sixth night of Hanukkah here in Charlotte. We're going to get the only Jewish quarterback in the league. He's going to be out here. We're going to be lighting the Shabbos candles on Friday. We're going to be eating matzah over Passover. And uh, it, it's just going to be, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to yell L'chaim every time that he scores a touchdown. That's where that I'm putting care- my, that's where I'm putting my, my wager is on Josh Rosen really, really zhuzhing up the quarterback room in Carolina. That carousel, how many times has it got to go around for that to happen? It's going to go around a lot of times. You know how, like, uh, I don't know if this is, um, like, if you're ever at the park and there's, like, a, like a carousel is still going around and there's, like, a small child that's, uh, that's spinning and is just kind of, like, looking around and kind of, like, not crying yet, but, like, the, like you could see there's, like, moistness in their eyes. Ew. And they're just, like, they can't quite see their, their, their parents around. That's, what, that's Josh Rosen in this quarterback carousel. He's looking around. He's, like, anybody? I was... I learned from Tom Brady in Tampa, uh, and I was remember when Kingsbury said Josh is our guy. Remember that that happened. That could be on your team. <laughs> With a sad wave, like. And then it and then it'll say Mazel Tov is the New York Post timeline when he signs in Charlotte somehow. I'm not sure why, but we, you know what we need in Charlotte is a publication that puts out funny headlines on their back page. Somebody should get on. Somebody should get on that. Print media is booming right now right yes booming yes. making a huge huge comeback in 2021 put some more out there absolutely our other cohort colin hoggard columnist and contributor for the riot report and is still crossing his fingers for will greer to have his malik monk moment how many fingers do you have crossed right now by the way nikki i have all my fingers crossed you know I'm, i i never stopped believing in malik and i never stopped believing in will greer as the panthers future quarterback those are two things people know about me and uh, i'd also like to say that i admire the chutzpa of josh uh to recommend uh, josh rosen as our quarterback and not mention either the super bowl weekend or nfc championship games while describing what he was going to bring to charlotte Nope, that's right. And uh, I really am. Impre- I'm very impressed with your um, uh, translation on your uh, the way that you pronounced kachutspa. It's chutzpah. You got to have that ch and then the t and then the p. That's really you need all of it. Like if you're not if your screen is not soaked at the end of that sentence or at the end of that word, you're you're doing everything wrong. Chutzpa, right? Mad Dog taught me that one. <laughs> and, and Chinooka, because Mad Dog and Smokey are two of my big inspirations. That's right, Smokey. Happy Chinooka. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but they told me to say it. Oh, man, you went a little, gave him a little bit of a more of a Mickey Mouse sound than anything else, but. <laughs> that did sound kind of Disney cartoonish. Josh Rosen, by the way, uh, a, a, uh, if you want to talk about a cautionary tale from drafting a top 10 quarterback, Josh Rosen is going to be the guy that, that they talk about for the next he's, 
is there a chance that he's like the Sam Bowie, Sam Bowie of quarterbacks where it's like, Hey, in this draft that had Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, even Sam Darnold, who's not good, but he's like a veteran journeyman. I'm talking five years in the future. And then there's also Josh Rosen who you could buy a sick Honda from in Scottsdale. <laughs> Did you bring up Josh Rosen just as like a, as like one of these little side bets that we make on the Super Bowl? Like anybody that was betting on this podcast is like, who's the first quarterback that's going to be mentioned? And a thousand to one was Josh Rosen, and you just made that ticket pay. Man, it's that would be a fun. Uh, we should probably put some prop bets up for people, and then they can <laughs> bet on it. I'll put. I'll make sure that gets tweeted out before the before the podcast drops. Um, who who the first who the first one uh, mentioned is? But I have a feeling if you put Josh Rosen's odds up there, somebody people are going to be like, well, obviously it's Josh Rosen. This show is dumb. <laughs> they talk about dumb stuff on the show. <laughs> Well, on the one-day contract this week is Aaron Schatz, head of football outsiders, ESPN, NFL analyst, and creator of DVOA. He's coming on the show a little bit later. But until then, let's start with my super important question. It's Super Bowl week. Who we got this weekend? Oh, I'll give that one to Colin. Colin can go first on that. Well, I've said it all season. I think it's Kansas City. Uh, But I do find myself in that place going – and he's not the old man. Can, should, should I be doubting the old man? But I think it will be Kansas City. I'll be really interested to see what Aaron Schatz has to say about how these two teams match up because it's like you look at the numbers and they do look fairly even. But ultimately, I will go with a team that has won 25 out of the last 26 games. Um, until, they're, until proven otherwise – um, they are they are the team to beat. And every time – it's just crazy because it's like every time you think that they are down and you're like, well, this is the end of the – this is the end of the road for Kansas City. And then they just – here they come and they just score immediately. And it feels like we saw a little bit last week, uh, Tom Brady didn't really put his – he didn't put his foot on Green Bay's throat. Like he was – he was very willing to let them come back into that game. And if you do that for Pat, Patty um, – it's going to be lights out for Tom Brady, but don't worry. He's got what, seven more years to win another ring. So it'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm still convinced Tom Brady's a warlock, so I, I'm never going to bet against him. You can Either bet against, Bernie. yeah, you can bet against whether he has more, uh, more passing yards than, I don't know, like the combined score of the Blazers, the Bucks and the Hornets or some sort of craziness. That's what they – I definitely saw Damian Lillard total points, rebounds, assists uh, versus Daryl Williams total rushing yards. And it's like, where do those two match up? Personally, uh, I, I think Lillard is probably going to torch the Hornets, but whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that what, back in Hornets corner in a couple weeks, I'm sure, once they've won <laughs> nine straight games. <laughs> yeah. Also, we lost Colin. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. He was just like, I can't, I can't do this podcast anymore. That's it. I guess it's just you and me. What's going on? Everything okay? How'd you like that Hornets you know. game? It was super fun. <laughs> well, actually, we're going to release this on Thursday, so uh, there will be a Hornets game in the interim, which they may get blown out by in, and then we'll be like, oh, man, I love the Hornets. They're so good, and they lost by 40 last night to, uh, to Indiana or whoever they're playing tomorrow. As long as they had fun. That's what sports is all about. <laughs> That's, it is what – you know what? Actually, Nikki, that's a good point. It does feel like sports are supposed to be – they're supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed to be entertaining. And I feel like 
there are so few times nowadays where people like I only really I get entertainment when I'm watching the games, but like so much of the time being preoccupied by sports, it's just not fun anymore. Do you feel like it's fun to be a big, to be really into sports now? Well, I'm a Nebraska fan, so I I don't get to use the word fun a lot lately. It was super fun last week when I got to see all of our good players and transfer. So I'm probably not the best person to ask about sports being fun. I had, did you have, I had a great time watching the Hornets game last night. Um, But like, or Tuesday night, whatever night that was. But then um, Monday night, I don't know. The weeks all, weeks and days all run together. I don't know what day is happening. Colin's back. Welcome back, buddy. I think I just got a delivery of meats and cheeses. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, signature required. It's not for me. The show must go on. Products. What yeah. kind of meats and cheeses are coming to your house? I, I do not know. That are not know. for you. How does the big hog not getting uh, not getting meats and cheeses delivered right to his door? Not not my B day this month. Oh, all right. Hope nobody's listening. That is getting a B day present. Uh, I can almost guarantee <laughs> that they're not listening. Uh, Probably not. Colin, what did you I do was with the meats and cheeses. <laughs> like, Good question. Did you just? Are they just sitting in the no, house? No, they're in the fridge now. I, I did open the oh. package, slid them in the fridge, and then ran back to you guys as quick <laughs> as I could. I think it was about seven seconds I was gone. Is that a good gift, meats and cheeses? I don't, like, I'm, tr- the I'm giver, trying. Okay, the giver of the meats and cheeses very well may be listening, so tread lightly. The, the gift recipient will not, will not be listening, though. The giver isn't one of the hosts of this show, right? That's not happening? Okay. No. Right. No, 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 no. Okay. I got you. I got you. This is, uh, this is what the listeners come for, right? There is us this vamping. Is- yeah. All right. Let's, this is- let's talk about this. I got good stuff on the Panthers. Let's do this. Are we, Colin, are do you ready? feel like sports are fun now? Are you in? Are you? Are you? Do you have yes. like, yeah? What did you, like the, the, the Hornets game last night, I thought all four quarters were fun. All like legitimately, there was the second quarter stunk because they were playing well. We weren't playing well, but the other quarters, uh, I don't know. That was that was a good that was a good uh, spend of two hours for me. I agree. I had a great time. I didn't get to see it because we had to watch Monday Night Raw after Royal Rumble. Did you have fun doing that? Um, as much fun as she had watching the Rumble. The Rumble, I will say, is a lot of fun to watch. Super I think fun. It, it's so fun to watch. When you yeah. gamble on it, gambling on the Royal Rumble is probably the peak of uh, mankind's existence. <laughs> gambling makes everything fun. That's, it's I mean, true. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. All right, let's talk about Panthers now that we're like 47 minutes into the podcast. Let's, t- let's start with the idea of Rome wasn't built in a day. So 14 months ago – Tepper met with a bunch of reporters and said Rome wasn't built in a day. Fast forward to this week, Albert Breer is reporting that the Panthers were incredibly close to trading the eighth pick in the draft for Stafford. Do you think the plan is still on track as originally written, or has the book changed? Who wants to begin? Well, this is from the it's easier said than done category. David Tepper's the one that is not listen to his own advice as far as this offseason is concerned. Um, I, I still maintain that I don't think Rule and Fitter are driving this 
desire. I think they want to have better quarterback play, certainly, than we got out of Teddy Bridgewater. But I don't think they're driving this search uh, for the quarterback. I, I really feel like this is coming from the top. David Tepper is intimated that the quarterback next year for this organization will be better than Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and I think that's going to be a, a tougher thing to pull off as we go forward. But I, I'm fascinated by this, Josh, because it feels like people were buying in, people were listening. And I really feel like they themselves have kind of thrown this all asunder. It does kind of feel like that over the past couple in the in the past two months. Ever since Marty uh, was fired with two games left in the season, and you heard Tepper uh, kind of violently not uh, endorse Teddy Bridgewater, like he didn't he didn't say the words Teddy or quarterback or Bridgewater. I mean, he did say quarterback a bunch of times, but he kind of subtweeted Teddy Bridgewater in his press conference. And then Matt Rule, when asked directly, could have very easily just kind of diffused this whole situation. And we've talked about this before. I think Matt Rule is, you know, sometimes truthful to a fault um, and sometimes, you know, um, would do, could do with a little bit of coach speak because I think that we all want owners and coaches to be honest and we want them to speak clearly and, uh, and, you know, and be as forthright as possible. But then sometimes when they are forthright, we're like, well, I mean, now you're throwing Teddy under the bus by being forthright. And so uh, to me, they have put themselves, you're right, into a position. We talked about this last week with Julian, where uh, Julian Council, by the way, um, great episode last week. Go check it out. We missed you so much, Nikki. You're, we're so happy that you're back. Uh, <laughs> we talked about it last week because you can cut me off when I start rambling like this. Um, we talked about it last week, but it's like they want to be process-based, but I'm not sure that they actually – have the patience to be process-based. When you look at their comments, it's very similar to what we saw out of McVay and Les Snead with the Rams. And now we've seen Goff has been, has been traded. I mean, this is, this is who they're acting like, but the Rams are a team that consider themselves in that window. They're in a win-now mentality. Everybody showed us the first-round graphics. It's been known that the Rams don't value first-rounders like a lot of other people do because of where they pick in, uh, later in the draft. But why, when this team is picking in the top 10, are they acting the same way towards their quarterback as a team that's looking for, in essence, a final piece? Or when you look at what the Rams were able to do, I mean, haven't, they've had a winning record in every, every season that McVay's been there. And they've, the only time they missed the playoffs was when they were 9-7. and seven. Um, so, and Matt Rule and David Tepper, you know, they've gone five and 11 in their one year together. And yes, looked like a lot of stuff was on the right track, but ultimately like being on the right track, you have to stay on the right track. You can't just start out on the right track and then be like, you know what? And now we need a quarterback. Like things went really well in this first year on this track on the being patient track. And even in that quote that you referred to, Nikki, where you say Rome wasn't built in a day, David Tepper talks about five years. He said, if you think it's going to take one year, what do you believe in Santa Claus? You believe in the tooth fairy. And then all of a sudden, literally one year later, they're out there trading for a, um, for a veteran quarterback who is kind of built to win now. And yes, five years of Matt Stafford is probably better than one year of Teddy Bridgewater. Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. I understand all that. But the reality is, is that... Matt Stafford is a team completion move, not a let's build around this guy. I don't think, at least not in my opinion. How many process teams 
when they go through this are actually patient and do this? How many actually trust the process and do it right? I mean, it's tough. Trusting the process is tough because you have to, you have to be, um, you have to have job security because it's all well and good to trust the process. But if you go five and 11, three years in a row, you need to make sure that your process is not going to get, your ass is not going to get processed out of town because it's like, then that's when you make, that's when you make bad decisions. That's kind of in, in my opinion, not even my opinion. That's what Marty Herney did was Marty Herney was fearful for his job and was making decisions based on how he could keep his job, not how the team could achieve sustained excellence. And when you talk about sustained excellence, that's, that was the, that was the, uh, the, the pull quote of the 2019 off season was sustained excellence this year. The pull quote of 2020 offseason is we need a quarterback or else we may all die. Though that is the pull quote. So those two things don't match up. And that's why I'm just concerned that was that the right track turns into the wrong way really quickly. I completely agree because and, and we'll talk about the, the the rookies here as we look forward. But the Stafford piece of this is important to remember because the Panthers, by all reports, were close, possibly getting medical reports on Matthew Stafford. That's how close they were to getting this deal done. And then the Rams came over the top with a deal that was two first, a third, and Jared Goff. Now, that's the deal that beat the Panthers' deal. So the Panthers were ponying up a pretty penny for Matthew Stafford. This is why I, I continue to point at Tepper as being the one that has the Q fever, because I think this is the great compromise opportunity for, or this was an, oppor an opportunity for Fitter and Rule to compromise. Get a guy that they know can be a winner, give up a, a little bit, and then get to focus on building the team. The problem is now Stafford is out of play. Watson is on the back burner while the Texans figure out what's going to happen. And, and we, we all agree that it's a, it's a low percentage chance that he, he comes here if he moves at all. And that's a low percentage chance. So basically we're back to looking at the rookies. And I think Fitterer, you, you look at his profile from where he's come um, in Seattle, where, where Rule has come from, this has Tepper's fingerprints all over it. And to me, I'm now of the belief that this team will – move up into either the second or third pick to go get a quarterback. Because again, David Tepper, for everything you just said, Josh, he is, he's the one that is saying we are going to have a quarterback better than Teddy Bridgewater next year for this team. And I think the list of guys that will fit that bill or could fit that bill is getting shorter. Uh, it is much shorter now. Someone said this to me uh, over the past couple of days, and I apologize if you are listening and you said this phrase to me, but on the scale of Jerry's, David Tepper is closer to Jones than he is to Richardson. Um, and what we talked about last week, Jerry, uh, David Tepper is participating and not meddling. I don't know that that is a recipe for success or for sustained excellence. And if that's what's happening, we don't know what's happening behind closed doors. All we can do is kind of read these tea leaves, but it does seem that way. And I, I just want, I'll, we could talk about this a little bit further, but at some point I want to turn towards what actually seems like is going to happen and how the, how the fan base around the Panthers are going to, um, are going to, are going to relate to that or react to that. 
Yeah, I mean, and because I think, like you, like you said, I agree with everything you said about Stafford and where he is and who he is at, at his age. And then for them to, it sounds to me like potentially be overpaying a little bit. <laughs> you know, we, we all we know is what the final bid was, but they may have been overpaying a little bit for a guy that doesn't fit perfectly. And that's why I think it's it, it's Fitterer and, and Rule possibly trying to get this thing done because uh, I think Tepper's and, and it very well may cost more to get a guy that's completely unproven in the NFL than a guy that maybe isn't quite perfect but is 32 years old. The thing that you talk about all the time during the draft is make sure you're, if you're going to go up and get somebody, go up and get your guy. Just like with the coaching search and the GM, you've said you've used this phrase a bunch of times, and I completely agree with you. And I think that when we have talked about, when we have been advocating for give up the world for Watson, that's going up for that guy. Go up for Deshaun, get, get Deshaun Watson, go get him. You like Zach Wilson, go get Zach Wilson. But the idea that it's like we need another quarterback and it has to be somebody else besides Teddy, hopefully better, but at the very least more exciting, that is when I think you get into the wrong process in a scary territory. And, and to go one step further, everyone, everyone seems to really like this crop of quarterbacks, these, particularly this top four, not necessarily Mac Jones, but this top four of guys. And everyone's like, this is, this is, a, this is the year. This is the year. If two-thirds of the league needs quarterback in every draft analyst that comes along that's a Panthers fan is saying, this is the year to do it. This is the year to go. Do we not think that the other teams know this as well? And now you have a situation where your guy is super competitive and wants to be aggressive. And I really worry that Tepper is not going to let someone else outbid him to go trade up in this draft to get one of these guys because he has put it on himself. And, and, and with respect to Darren and, and Panthers.com, you know, they, they put out a piece that says Teddy may be the quarterback. Well, the guy that needs to get that message is inside the building because he's the one that really, I think, has created this storm and is creating this situation that is interrupting the process that he talked about uh, when it was easy to be patient at the very, very, very beginning. One of the things that we, that we have always noticed, and, and they have said it themselves, um, Darren more recently, but Bill Voth, who runs, you know, VP of digital or whatever his job is, well, he's always wanted to like disrupt team coverage. And one of the things that I think they want to do is they want to try and educate fans. And, and when they say things, you should listen and kind of be able to read the tea leaves. When you read that article on Panthers.com, that to me is, I know we're all excited about Deshaun and Matt Stafford, but you should just be ready in case Teddy comes back. And it even has a sentence in there that says the quarterback that you may be that that may be attached to the Panthers all offseason, the team may not have any interest in it at all. And that happens all the time. And it may also be a situation where we don't know. We all assume the way that mock drafts are going to go and yada, yada, yada. Theoretically, these things all get crazy because uh, Marty Herney was going to draft Greg Little in the first round two years ago. And then all of a sudden, Brian Burns was there at 16 and the, fl the plans changed in an instant. So it's like sometimes these things can change. And so you think that they want to go up and trade for quarterback. And then all of a sudden, this franchise left tackle, Panay Sewell, is falling to them at eight. And it's like, well, we did need a quarterback, but maybe let's just – maybe we can spin this thing forward. Maybe. I, I'm not saying – because we don't know what's going to happen. We're going to talk about it for the next two and a half months about what they're going to do at quarterback. I'd be curious, Nikki, what do you think the, the end game is here at quarterback? What would get – I guess the question is, what do you think is going to happen, and then what would get you the most excited? 
what's going to happen is we're going to have Teddy another year. I just feel that for some reason. I feel like no moves happen. I don't think that we trade up. I don't think that we trade for a quarterback. I just feel like we have another year of Teddy, and then it's the next draft. That's just what I feel right now. But what would – okay, so then what's your dream scenario for 2022? Your best case. No, I guess not dreams. Dream scenario is like I uh, – oh, I'm trying to think of a ridiculous one. Dream scenario is Trevor Lawrence falls to eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're going to do it that way, yeah. But, I mean, I guess you have to go through – what makes the most sense and what makes the most sense is not getting Deshaun or going after Deshaun. I don't think the Stafford trade would have made sense either. I think you trade up in this draft and you go get your guy there at number two. Who's your guy. Are you going to, are you ready to make that announcement? You don't have to have it. You don't have to, you don't have to make that announcement quite yet. I, I don't have one that I'm landed on. Okay. That's fair. We have luckily I know that everybody has to shoot their shot on February 2nd about who the, the Panthers are going to draft, but luckily there's uh, 12 more weeks until the draft. So we got some time for you for, for time. us all to make decisions. <laughs> Hopefully the fever will break for Tepper. I really think the best case scenario is to sit there at eight. You know, this team is not close. This, you mentioned Burns. That makes me think too. Like you, you, this pass rush isn't ready to compete. This pass rush isn't ready for, to be in an NFC championship game. And it doesn't sound like there's anybody in this draft that's going to, you know, going to make that happen. You don't really have the cap space to go get, uh, you know, some kind of big difference maker if there's even one available. I, this is still a longer build that needs to happen. And that's why, you know, it, it does. It's like this process is going to get interrupted. And I feel like, uh, you know, I, I hope they stay there. But, Josh, what do you think? I think they're now more likely to move up than to stay at eight. I, I agree with that. I said yesterday, I think I tweeted out, Monday, I don't know, all the days are the same, um, that, uh, that it's becoming less and less likely that the Panthers draft at eight. Whether or not that's forward or back or out the door, um, I, I think that eight is very much in flux. Now, that being said, I think there is something to be said for the phrase being in every deal and Carolina Panthers and the media that cover them and the fan base are not used to that. And the Seattle Seahawks were in every deal. You heard Schefter talk about it. You heard Rapport talk about it. You hear about the, all the, all the Seahawks beat writers have said, like you get used to the idea that like, Hey, uh, Jamal Adams is available. I know that's a bad example because they actually traded for him, but it's like, Hey, um, LaShawn McCoy is available and it's like the Seahawks are interested and it's JJ Watt is available. The Seahawks are interested. Deshaun Watson's available. The Seahawks are, are involved in talks because that was the way that their front office worked. And that's the way that a front office should work is you should be involved at the very least. And maybe we're at a point now where this is where the Carolina Panthers are and they are going to be involved. Maybe not to the point where they were with Matt Stafford, but I wonder if Albert Breer is not familiar with the Panthers being that far along in any deal in the past. And so he says, well, that seems notable, but in reality, they weren't maybe as close as we think. Uh, I, I do think different. they were. I, Medicals are different because, because of the sure. privacy thing. That may have been a bad example. I do think they were that close on Matt Stafford, but I do think the idea that they are in every deal is something that the Panthers and the fans and the media and people that cover them are going to have to get used to maybe sorting through these things a little bit 
more carefully than just to be like, oh man, look at this Stafford and Deshaun Watson. And like, oh, they're talking to trade. They were in the talks for Jared Goff. And it's like, oh, I don't want them to sign Dwayne Haskins. And it's like, well, yeah, but they, they're going to do this with everybody. And so we should just get used to it. Yeah, I, I do get, you know, like with this quarterback thing with Tepper, you know, we, we talked about him participating. I do feel like once he gets his quarterback, he, I feel like he's going to slap rule and fit her on the butt and tell him to run things for a little while. Like, I do think he's going to let Fitter and those guys – let them do their thing once they do. But this quarterback situation is going to be resolved. And, you know, Stafford wanting to leave the Lions is – you know, maybe they knew that was coming down the pike. But even then they knew that you'd have to compete for a guy like that. With the idea that this was most probably going to be a rookie, that make, it makes the comments even worse. Because, Nikki, what you said, you know, like about how most likely Teddy's going to be here – and you want him to be this mentor for this rookie, it, it made even less sense if you think that you're bringing in a youngster to, to have that, that tutoring year under Teddy. Of course, that tutoring year is going to turn into a tutoring six weeks and then a four weeks and then a two and a half quarters or whatever it's going to do. But, you know, I, I really feel like this is just – and it, they've made it hard, and they, made, they just made it hard with, a, with their franchise quarterback, and now they're making it hard with this quarterback – it's the most important position. It's the position they covet the most and they're making it hard on these guys. It's a, it's not a great look. Colin, I got a question for you. Before the season started, you kind of hinting this team could have been a playoff team. Yep. Or would we be in the playoffs if Matt Stafford was the quarterback? Yes, I think, I think probably so. I think, I think Matt has the army takes the chances, um, you know, because if they're in the playoff mix, does CMC come back? Um, I, I think they probably would have been a playoff team, you know, with Stafford, with Stafford quarterback. Yes. In that Lions game that the Panthers ultimately won 20 to nothing, would that have been some sort of nexus of the universe back to the future type situation with Matthew Stafford one playing against Matthew Stafford two, and who ultimately wins that game? <laughs> you know, I, I will say though, when I say they make the playoffs, I don't think they're, you know, I don't think they're in the mix. They're in one of those teams. There would be one of those teams that could make the playoffs. You know, another thing, too, that was a great signal that this was going to be a slow build is when they took seven defensive players in a single draft. Like, that's a sign that, hey, we got some, we got some serious projects over here. Any other Rome wasn't built in a day before we move on? Any other thoughts? I, I just hope they get back to it. I, but I don't, think, I don't think they're going to. I will say that a lot of times, and this is where we're in the midst of, like, silly season for for lack of a better term that like sometimes there is just four months of terrible just like takes that we are certainly a part of I know I am um that like you just you form these opinions and then all of a sudden it's like once you get back into the season it's like oh yeah obviously they weren't they were never going to do this you know like we can talk we're going to talk for the next four months and then if the Panthers trade down from eight or stay at eight and draft Panay Sewell and draft a Kellen Mond in the third and then all of a sudden we were like oh man we we're so worried about this we had four months of of uh of schwitzing if you will um that you just like that that it just didn't matter that it ultimately when you got to the point of the actual game starting and the actual roster moves they did the right thing so I it will be interesting and again same thing the process a bad process doesn't always lead to bad results Sure. Sounded What's like up? I had more to say in that sentence, but I didn't. I, I, I was like, this, did it end there? It was like, it was like, comma, question mark? Like, <laughs> semicolon? I don't know. 
<laughs> Let's talk about the Senior Bowl. First of all, I watched the Senior Bowl, and it was nice to have some football on in a weekend as we're getting ready to lose it all. What, what were your thoughts just on the game in general? Um, I think uh, it's a little bit early to, like, pick out certain players. Um, I was disappointed that Macaroni Jones didn't play. I would have liked to see him. Um, but ultimately the point of this, of the senior bowl is to get these guys to play at the top level of against the top level of talent. And if Macaroni wasn't playing against the top level when he was playing at Alabama, that what else are you going to do? So I feel like we've seen him play against the top level. We know what Macaroni is. Kellen Mond, I was interested to see. I thought he was, uh, kind of lived up to expectations. Seems like a day two, day three pick. Um, and, and it was, it was just kind of cool to see Matt rule and the staff kind of get that national TV love. I mean, every time you'd flip on practice, you would hear uh, the guys talk about, Oh, you know, Matt rule is out there running this practice. Like, Oh my God. Like, like they'd never seen somebody blow a whistle or yell at a guy before. Um, it was, uh, but ultimately what I do think is that the idea that these guys, yes, the Panthers are getting an up close look in an off season where they're not going to get pro days and combines and things like that. And that's incredibly important. To me, what I think is also really important is um, the idea that these players are getting to see how Matt Rule and his staff run a practice. And they say to themselves, hey, if I'm an undrafted free agent, maybe I want to come to Carolina. Because a lot of these guys in the Senior Bowl, they're not day one, day two picks. They're day three, maybe undrafted guys. And that is not a thing. That is a decision that they have to make. Not a You don't get drafted when you're an undrafted free agent, obviously. You just get a bunch of phone calls and then you decide where to go. And a lot of times I'll talk to uh, players in training camp and they'll be like, yeah, I had like eight different teams call me. And, uh, and this is where I decided to go. Can you guys hear this insane drilling that's going on in my house, by the way? It's awesome. I'm really glad that, that they're doing this mid podcast. It's been like no work for the first seven hours. And then it's just like, you know what we need to do right now? Let's drill or saw. Well, they're not sawing or drilling. They're more, it's more of like an installation type situation. Are you sure you're not in a heist movie right now? Yeah, exactly. This is actually a fake wall behind me where I'm actually inside the bank when I'm, uh, when I'm recording this podcast. It sounds like you're being swarmed by a really large mosquito. That's right. <laughs> it's hornet season, baby. The hive is alive. Buzz City. You know, I, I really hope that this that our roster, you know, the ninety man, seventy man, one hundred eighty man, whatever it's going to be in this this upcoming training camp, um, I really hope it's got a bunch of guys from the Senior Bowl that, that, that they liked and got a chance to take a look at. And I hope it proves to be a fruitful time for us because I think it really could be a boon for us in this year for all the reasons that you were mentioning, Josh, and actually getting to be be close to these guys. So, um, you know, this the the Matt Rule College um, knowledge probably starting to expire after this draft. So hopefully we'll, this will be a good one for us. Matt Rule said that somebody, a guy was making fun of him because uh, he didn't recruit him hard enough at Temple. And now he was in the senior bowl and he was going to be drafted. And he was, he was poking fun at Matt Rule throughout the week of, uh, I could have been on your team, man. You just didn't come. You didn't come and get me. What, what did you, what was your response or your thoughts on the elevator pitch? <laughs> I thought it was fine. I think it's, I think it was super blown out of uh, proportion that everybody was like, Oh, this is always, this is how you form opinions on guys. And, and I can tell you that in 45 seconds, you can form the wrong opinion. Bad first impressions make a big difference. And um, I, I think that there is no secret to Matt rule that off the field matters a lot to him. 
that the way that these guys care about the game and they carry themselves and they interact with the, each other and the coaches and the rest of the players and the rest of the team, that is hugely important to them. And for us to think that that, that can't be affected by a 45-second elevator pitch, um, I, I think we're just we're, we're overstating things miserably. I mean, come on, dude. This, this is the NFL and sports in general. They do this kind of stuff all the time. I've seen Moneyball. I know what it's like. <laughs> people make decisions on whether or not they're going to give someone five minutes on less time than that <laughs> you know like in like a bar you're like nope nope moving on not even five minutes and people are like what you can you can make a decision about spending a million dollars on somebody that fast shoot yes you can i don't know what happened in there but yes it could happen especially with they had the seventh pick so it's not like it was like the 10th or you know the 30th pick that they're like oh well maybe this guy might be a day three guy whoever it was it was obviously somebody that was going to be drafted early on and um and and he wasn't happy so it's like he swiped right like that's what happens you get one chance to make a good first impression then it's swipe you know and people we live in the world of mock drafts where every prospect can be put on the board in, in those 32 war rooms, every prospect is not on those walls. There are guys that they've said, nope, doesn't look like us, doesn't fit us, things like that. So the idea of it getting knocked off, a guy getting knocked off a team board is much less of a deal in the real football world than it is like as if you got banished. Like, you aren't, what, you're, you're not going to rate this guy in your mock draft? You know, of course you would. Um, one other thing I want to add to Josh, and this isn't something we necessarily like to talk about as regards to football, uh, but we had a situation with another NFL player, Seahawks lineman, uh, get in trouble for domestic violence. And we've seen the effects here in Carolina. We've got our own skeletons in the closet as, as, as Panther fans. For Coach Rule, you mentioned him, how important the off the field is. Baylor has their own problems, their own history. But if we bring in Scott Fitter as our new GM, and you look at the history of the Seahawks, they have been a lot more tolerant of guys that maybe had a history, maybe had some issues, maybe had some questionable stuff. I, I want it on record that I, as a Panther fan, prefer to go the, the Matt Rule route the way we have gone and continue to go as Panther fans as we look to pick the next crop. This, this is going to be a whole new look of guys uh, for this organization. But I really want to emphasize that I, as a fan, as an analyst, as a commentator on this team, it, it, it bothers me if you search the domestic history or the domestic violence history of the Seahawks over the last 10 years, and that's an organization Scott Fitter is coming from. I'm not pinning that on him. I'm not saying that's his. I'm just saying that that organization has been a lot more tolerant of it than I am as a fan and as a person. So I hope that we continue to get guys, like you said, that Matt Rule values their off the field as well. I think that's a good place to take a break. Uh, Nikki, I know that you're not able to join us for the Aaron Schatz segment. Do you? Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, find me at Nikki704. I don't say a lot of smart things, so. I disagree. The Queen of Charlotte has many things to say. She has many opinions to and give. I gotta say, if you go into an establishment, particularly a locally owned establishment, just drop her name. Just see what <laughs> happens. Just, just say, hey, do you guys know Nikki Wolf? And just see if they start showering you with gifts. It may very well happen. It has <laughs> happened to me, as a matter of fact. The one day contract really how you text got chain she's delivered to you. <laughs> pastries, Nikki. Pastries. Just Fresh yell, bread. I know Nikki Wolf out the door, and meats and cheeses will be delivered right to your doorstep. Lemon. What a great gift. What? By the way, yeah. if I could what? just say, apropos of nothing, getting somebody a platter of meats and cheeses is just like the best thing that you could do. And if you're a listener, 
and you're listening right now and you have recently purchased someone meats and cheeses, I want you to know that I fully support that gift. And I think that's a great way to show your love uh, in an edible fashion. (laughs) I agree. We'll be right back. Hey y'all, Josh here. Aaron Schatz coming up right after I tell you about a couple of shows that you should be listening to. Podcasts, if you like One Day Contract, make sure you go check out Quick Blitz with Vashti Hurt and Sheena Quick. As we go into the offseason, they're going to be expanding in terms of not just Panthers talk, Hornets talk, Tar Heels talk, Duke talk, everything in the national media and the Carolina media that you are interested in as a sports fan, they're going to cover it in only the way that Sheena and Vasti can. Uh, really looking forward to what they do over the course of the offseason and then into next season. And then launching again for the offseason is you used to like the Great British Drafting Show, but we're switching up this year a little bit. We've got J.J. Hardy from Panthers Culture is going to be joining Vincent Richardson, and they have a brand-new draft mini series that is dropping next week. And it is called Scouting the Culture. Scouting the Culture. You can find it on all podcast feeds, wherever you look. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. It's on all of those. If you were previously subscribed to the Great British Drafting Show, it's already going to be there when the next episode drops on Monday. So go ahead and subscribe to Scouting the Culture if you want to be ready for the 2021 NFL Draft and everything that comes with it. But now, here's Aaron Schatz. And we are back. Joining us now on One Day Contract to talk about the Super Bowl and whether or not you need one of those pesky things called a quarterback to lead your team to it is uh, Head of Football Outsiders, creator of DVOA, ESPN NFL analyst, Aaron Schatz is here. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes, I do think you need a quarterback to make the Super Bowl. It helps. That, that certainly seems important. So let's just jump right into it because I, I know, obviously, we talk about the Panthers on one-day contract, but I wanted to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. Who do you think has just basic overall question? Who do you think has an advantage, and where can, uh, where can like Kansas City or Tampa Bay exploit the other team's defense? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's tough because our numbers uh, have Tampa Bay as a better team than Kansas City this year, even though Kansas City had more wins. But it's complicated by what I call the flip the switch theory. That's the theory that Kansas City deliberately took its foot off the gas late in wins this year and so sort of artificially dampened their own statistics to make them look like they were not as dominant a team as they truly are. And I didn't buy this theory at first, but basically everything you would imagine to be true if you bought this theory has turned out to be true. So first of all, Kansas City really did become a bad team when they were defending a two-score lead in the fourth quarter this year. Like They were like 20th on offense and 21st on defense or something. A completely different team than they were the rest of the time. And then the other part of this theory would be that they would turn it on in the playoffs and be fantastic. And in fact, they have turned it on in the playoffs and been fantastic. Last week was their best game of the year. And the first half of the game against Cleveland before Mahomes got hurt was on track to be their best game of the year. So um, the theory kind of checks out so far. So it's, it's a little hard to compare these teams with stats, knowing that 
Kansas cities are sort of artificially depressed. Um, I think that as far as where you can attack on defense, um, I mean, for example, I think each team has certain cornerbacks that you want to go after. Like even though Sean Murphy Bunting has made some big plays in the playoffs during the regular season, he was the worst quarterback for Tampa. And I think you go after him. Um, I also think if they play zone coverage against Mahomes, which, you know, they, they, they're like half man, half zone. Well, you know, if they play man, nobody seems to be able to cover Tyree kill. And if they play zone, nobody can get near Travis Kelsey. So, um, you know, I think, you know, Kansas City has the offensive weapons, as we know, to, to go after you no matter what your uh, what scheme you're playing against them. Um, as far as Tampa Bay, uh, Chavarius Ward is the Kansas City cornerback that probably is most likely to go after. Um, Snead had really good numbers when he was healthy and Breland was good. Um uh, another weakness for both of these teams is both of these teams are really good passing when they have two tight ends on the field. Mm-hmm. And both of these teams are bad defending against the pass when there are two tight ends on the field. So I would expect a lot of two tight end sets, especially from Tampa, where you've got two good receiving tight ends in Cameron Bray and Rob Gronkowski, and either one of them theoretically could block or go out for a pass. Well, I, I had a question because you talk about a little bit about the the defenses and where to attack them. Do you think that there's, and when you look at Kansas City's defense, at least on paper, and I don't know how much of this is ascribed to the flip the switch corollary, but their defense doesn't really, doesn't look that impressive when you look at it statistically. Certainly yeah. not from a run defense uh, way of looking at it, but is there a certain floor for a defense for them to be successful, do you think? Like, can you can you have a fairly bad defense, but it doesn't really matter as long as your offense is, is that much better? Sort of depends who you're playing against. I mean, the 2011 Patriots made the Super Bowl with the defense that we ranked 31st out of 32 teams. Their offense was so good that it could overcome having the next to worst defense in the league. Uh, Kansas City is certainly better than that. And here's the thing, right? The the switch flipping, uh, they flipped the switch on on defense in the playoffs as well. They've been Mm. really strong on pass defense the last two games. They've been weak on run defense in the playoffs. But I don't think they care because the fact is that passing is so much more efficient than running in general that it's much more important to stop the pass and allow the run. And I think Kansas City would happily – be the best pass defense in the league and the worst run defense in the league, if that's truly what they can be, which is what they have been the last two games. Although I think they're not that good, you know, in the long term. Is there anything to continuity in terms of, you know, the chiefs for the most part, their triplets on offense, Kelsey Hill, Mahomes have, have been there for the past three years. Obviously in Tampa, you've got uh, Brady coming into this kind of ready baked offense already. Is there anything that you've seen over your years of covering the NFL where continuity actually makes a difference? Well, I mean, maybe early in the season, but by this point, the Tampa Bay players have all been practicing with each other for months. So I I don't think that that's an issue. Uh, The one place is offensive line where continuity is really important. And that's Mm -hmm. actually uh, a negative for Kansas city because they're playing with uh, their usual right guard playing right 
tackle and their backup right tackle is now playing left tackle because their starting left tackle is out. And um, they've had backups, a number of backups on the offensive line because of a number of injuries this year. So there hasn't been a lot of good continuity on the offensive line for them. Let's talk about quarterbacks and the quarterbacks that are in the Super Bowl. And first of all, does it make you uh, feel bad about the way that you are treating your body when you look at Tom Brady as a 43-year-old man playing in the Super Bowl? Because I know it makes me feel terrible. Um, yeah, I try not to judge <laughs> myself by outliers. That's fair. That's fair. I, I did not get dealt the same genetic hand that Tom Brady did. That's for sure. So, That's true. That's true. Um, what do you think – in terms of Mahomes, is he on a on an upward trajectory right now? Like for season over season, is he actually getting better? No. The fact is his best season was 2018. Hmm. Okay. And I don't know if he'll ever match. That season was so good, I don't know if he'll ever match it. But it's not like he's getting that much worse. It's right. you know, he's it, you know, this year was ever so slightly not as good as 2018, but like ever so slight. He's been, been pretty consistent over 3 years how good he's been. Not as much of a of an outlier season as like the 2015 season was for Cam Newton, right? Which because I, I think a lot of people right. look at that statistically and they're like, he just was never close to that. Yeah, I mean, this is Mahomes has been this good for three years, but it's not like he's successively getting better every year. Like he he emerged fully formed <laughs> from the stomach of Zeus or whatever <laughs> happens in the myths uh, in 2018 and has been that guy for three years. Do you think now more than ever that that teams need to have a star at quarterback? I know obviously you're so statistics based that do you need do you need a Patrick Mahomes even a like some of these younger guys like a Justin Herbert or um, to to for your team to compete at that elite level? Look, you can go on a run if you have a good but not great quarterback and a really strong defense. And that good quarterback just goes on a run, like what mm -hmm. happened with Joe Flacco in 2012. What happened with Joe Flacco in 2012 will happen again at some point. But I wouldn't want to count on it. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, that's not, the right, that's not the right way to build your team is to hope to luck into Joe Flacco going on the kind of four-game streak that he had in 2012 and your defense playing that well for four straight games. That's not the best way to build your team. The best way to build your team is to get – a top quarterback. Do you think that you need to draft that top quarterback in the top 10? Has, has history kind of shown? I mean, it kind of has that if, if they don't go in that first round and you're not obviously Tom Brady, it gets harder. I was say, Pat, Patrick Mahomes was the 12th pick. So mm. no, you don't have to draft yeah. him in the top 10. But no, there's no question that as difficult as it is to predict quarterback performance, that the best quarterbacks tend to go with the top picks. Mm -hmm. Do you have any way, any particular way that you like to look at quarterbacks in terms of predicting their performance? Or are you just kind of one of those, we got to wait and see until they get to the NFL? I mean, we have a method that we do to project college quarterbacks. It's not the most accurate of our methods, but usually you look at performance completion rate, yards over attempt. You look at their schedule strength. You look at, uh, their teammates, like who's got like a ton of teammates getting drafted versus like someone like Josh Allen who had like no teammates get drafted. And then you, 
look at how much experience. It still matters how much experience you had in college, but that's what has made it so difficult to judge quarterbacks the last couple of years because now you have all these guys coming out of school with like one year of starting experience. Like there were something like three quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds who had less than two years of starting experience over like a 30-year period. And then mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, there's been like a bunch of them. So like, I don't know what you do with Trey Lance. Like, I don't know. I mean, you could just throw any of your statistics out the window with a guy who played a season and then a single game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so tough to project. And especially in today's NFL, when you miss on that franchise quarterback, specifically in the first round, it sets your franchise back three or four years. And I think but that's when what you hit, it's so good that you have to take the chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what Panthers fans are so a concerned about and, and too excited about that. If it does hit, if you choose correctly, then, you know, you're kind of off to the races, but if you miss, it does, I feel like it sets you back at least five years. You look at some of these teams, like obviously the jets, but um, the bears were able to avoid it at least a little bit, but some of these guys that have missed on the, on that top 10, they, they had to immediately go back to the well, Arizona missed with Josh Rosen. They had to go right back with uh with Kyler Axton Lynch with Denver Mm -hmm. what is your um so you said that that how you project quarterbacks coming out of college is one of your least efficient statistics what what is the most accurate statistic on football outsiders so I personally I love to look at DVOA I feel like as you get into the season I mean I'm talking about for the college projection systems gotcha Um, I mean I mean I feel like DVOA is excellent uh, judge of how teams and players perform are performing. But as far as we have four systems for judging players coming out of college um, for uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and edge rusher. Hmm. And I'd say the edge rusher one is probably the most accurate and the quarterback one is the least accurate. Is there, are there guys that still manage to slip through the cracks that avoid these, that, that, have, that are outliers? I mean, there are obviously, I know the answer. Yes, right? I mean, is there a way, how do you get those, how do you slowly try to drill out those outliers? I mean, you look for patterns in, in the outliers to try to uh, figure out what you're missing. But usually you don't find patterns, you just find outliers. Hmm, that's fair. It's a, it's a good way to look at statistics just in, just in general. I mean, an example is, let's go Josh Allen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we said that Josh Allen had a 2% chance of becoming an elite quarterback. I mean, that's a terrible gamble with the seventh pick. <laughs> yeah. But it happened. Because things that have a 2% chance of happening happen one out of 50 times. Like, mm-hmm. there have been, in the you know, since like 1998, there have been – whatever, 130 quarterbacks who in our Q-based projection system came out below zero, which means they have like a 2% chance of becoming elite. And of those 130 quarterbacks, two became elite, Matt Ryan and Josh Allen. That's 2%, right? Like, I mean, the 2% things do happen occasionally, but you can't now, you cannot now rewrite your projection system and say, oh, so I guess uh, completion percentage in college is meaningless because every quarterback from now on who completes like 50% of his passes at a mid-major is going to suddenly become an NFL star. Like, 
you don't rewrite the projection system for your outlier. You just accept that there's an outlier. I want to talk a little bit about prop bets because I like to gamble. And as you go further into statistics, there are a million out there for the Super Bowl. What are some of them that, that maybe that, that your system has identified as, a, as, as some, some good value? Uh, I like um, Kansas City first quarter line minus 0.5. Okay. Because Tampa Bay's defense was worse uh, at the beginning of games than it was at the end of games. And while we think of Kansas City falling behind in the playoffs, in the regular season, they certainly took a lot of early leads. Mm, that's, that's a good one. Uh, I like Leonard Fournette to go over whatever it is, 23 and a half receiving yards, I think, because Tampa Bay's defense gave up a lot of yards to running backs in the passing game. Uh, I like Gronkowski to go over his because they also allowed a lot of right yards to tight ends in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, other, the other fun one I picked for ESPN was uh, Tom Brady passing touchdowns over total goals scored in Leicester City versus Wolves. I don't know anything about soccer, but based on expected goal scoring, there should theoretically be 2.4 goals scored in that game. There you go. And the actual Tom Brady passing touchdown prop is 2.5. So I'm like, oh, well you get a little bit of an extra advantage here if you go with the soccer prop. So I went with that one. I love those kind of props. Um, my personal favorite prop that I saw was Damon, uh, Damian Lillard points, rebounds, assists, plus two and a half over uh, um, or under Damian Williams rushing yards. So it was like, However many William like so it's like you have to keep an eye on this game and they're playing against the Hornets too so that's uh, it those are those are always my favorite ones I also like um, to score a two point will a two point conversion be converted I just think that is always in this day and age especially with the the two coaches that we have it just once the score gets a little bit wonky the, once the somebody misses an extra point things mm-hmm. get wacky yeah maybe we'll parlay. Missed extra point and two point conversion. That's how you. That's how you really lose money, is because yes. one of those two things always happens. Well, B- Bill Barnwell famously used to write for me. Uh, famously had to pick prop bets and picked there will be no safety two straight years, <laughs> and there actually was a safety both years. Wasn't there a safe? It was the first score of the game too, and it was like seven hundred twenty eleven. It was the first score of the game. It was an intentional grounding on Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we talked to, uh, we spoke to Frank Frigo. He was on this podcast, um, a couple months ago. I don't know. Sometime during the season, all the weeks and months are all, they all run together. Um, and from edge sports, uh, who obviously is a part of football outsiders. And he was saying, he was talking about quarterbacks and he said that quarterbacks are worth like an extra four games statistically. Like he said that a good quarterback will raise your win total an extra four games. Do you do you kind of agree with that? Like, where do, where does your where do you where do your yeah? I, I think so. I mean, quarterback is Brian Burke from ESPN put it this way, and I think it's kind of true that football is in in a lot of ways is a cross between an individual sport and a team sport. That's how important the quarterback position is. It's just much more important than any of the other positions. At the same time. It's not the only important – like, it's, there are worse quarterbacks who get raised by the talent around them. 
like Mark Sanchez, you know, those years that the Jets' defense was so good. Mm-hmm. So you can't judge quarterbacks solely on wins and losses because their teammates do matter, but they matter more than any single teammate at any other position, certainly. On quarterbacks, are you do you think that Deshaun Watson plays – uh, in another uniform other than Houston next year? Yes. Yeah. What is his I – know, I know he is ranked very highly, among, uh, according to Football Outsiders. Um, I don't remember whether it's uh, DYAR or DVOA, but – He was like fifth this year. Yeah, which is pretty incredible for a team. It's just like you said, individual and team-based, right? Because he's fifth, the fifth-best quarterback in the league, and his team is pretty terrible. So um, – do you think that if he goes to – he has that ability to elevate a bad team to the next level? I mean, I think – put it this way. I would want to trade for Deshaun Watson if I was a quarterback away. Because mm-hmm. the problem is the amount that you're going to have to trade to get him means you're not going to be able to stock the cupboard for him. So you better have your cupboard stocked already and then just trade draft picks. Um, the word on the street is that the Texans want two defensive players, mm-hmm. which is a w- weird ask. Why they would? Why? Why do they want two defensive players rather than just draft picks that they can turn into defensive players, but um, who would likely be cheaper? But um, I mean, I think you know Watson can raise a team, but there are limits because he couldn't raise this year's Texans past four and twelve. It's true. I always I go back to the the year before. It's so crazy to me that the Texans have fallen from being up twenty four nothing in the first half against the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs to this where they are right now. Well, I mean, by our numbers, they were the worst team to make the playoffs in twenty nineteen. So we knew they were going to decline some, but not not this much. It's a, I mean, the front office is a disaster. The whole situation with that team is a disaster that goes far beyond anything that can be measured by statistics. Is there anybody are – there, are there teams this year in 2020 that you guys had that were better than their record? It's not as much as um, – I have to look it up, but not as much as we usually get. San Francisco actually was something like 11th in DVOA hmm. despite going 6-10, and 10, which given the players they're getting back from injury is really demonstrative that they should be improved next year. There's there's a big argument, obviously. See, I wonder about if the Panthers would be on that list also because obviously their DVOA wasn't high, but they had so many losses in one-score games, and I know that's kind of a – that's a big um, – Yeah, they tell. were a little bit better. They were a little bit better than their record. Yeah, but not not that much better. I mean, we watched them. They weren't that much better. But, no, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta was a lot better than its record. They played like the hardest schedule in the league and had terrible luck. So they went 4-12, and 12, even though they were only slightly below average. And they kept giving up 14-point uh, leads in the fourth quarter in hilarious yeah. fashion, as the yeah, Falcons basically. tend to do. Um, I, I wanted to talk for a second about the running, running backs Carolina, by the way, I'll just point out, Carolina yeah. played the second hardest schedule in the league by our numbers. Hmm. Well, I mean, that seems good. I mean, the way that they – it seems like they are on an upward trajectory, but it's interesting because it feels like they view themselves as a quarterback away with the way that – how involved they were in the Stafford talks and how involved they are, how aggressive they're being in the Watson talks. Yeah, well. I mean, they could be. If you look at their uh, – if you look at their roster, um, 
they could be – there's other things. The offensive line, you know, maybe needs a little work, I think, and secondary needs a little work. But, um, you know, on offense, they certainly have the receivers, and they've got mm-hmm. running backs. I mean, I'm not – you were about to ask me about running backs. Obviously, I'm not a big, like, running backs guy, but they yeah. certainly have talent there. Well, that's, that's the thing is a lot of times uh, Christian McCaffrey is the guy that's included in a lot of Deshaun Watson mock trades. Um, and do you, you just said you're not a big running backs guy. Is that, is that something that is, uh, has been statistically supported or you're, or you're just kind of like as you've watched? Yeah, I mean, this year what they did with Mike Davis was an example of why you don't overpay running backs. That mm-hmm. is great as they are. And McCaffrey had one of the best running back seasons of all time in 2019. That even the greatest running backs just – I don't believe that all running backs are the same. Like, there definitely are some running backs that are better, but the amount that they're better is just small. Yeah. All right, well, let's – we've come down to it. Give me your pick for Super Bowl L, LIV. It is LIV, right? LV. It's LV. 55. I know the logo, because they've been using these sort of corporate mm-hmm. logos – with the trophy in between the L and the V, it looks like it's 54. But That's it's why I get confused. It looks yeah, like it says live. Logo. Yeah. It's a terrible logo. Well, it's not like they're a billion-dollar corporation that has uh, multiple hundreds of graphic designers on staff. Billion-dollar corporation, and nobody thought to have Super Bowl LV in Las Vegas. Nope. Let's put it, fire the cannons, but only during introductions. Uh, what, what's your pick for Super Bowl LV? Uh, I do lean towards Kansas City because I do kind of believe the Kansas City flip the switch theory, but I do believe it's really close. Um, with a line of three, I would go with Kansas City, but with a line of three and a half, I would go with Tampa Bay. That's how close I think it is. Have you had how have there been Super Bowls in the past that have had the first and second DVOA ranked? Teams yeah, in Seattle, it? New England. Oh wow. Okay, and this is first and third, right? Well, you, you, in order to do that, you have to get to a little bit of, uh, of um, manipulation. You have to, first of all, you have to include the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you have to take out week 17 for Kansas City mm. because they played all their backups. If, if you include week 17 and the playoffs, it's first and fifth. Gotcha. But if you take out week 17, we would have it Tampa Bay and then uh, Kansas City third. Who was your second ranked uh... In total rating for the whole season would be New Orleans. And mm. in weighted ranking, which gives more strength to recent games, it would be Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, I guess that those, both of those make sense. Both of those, were, both of those teams seem like they were uh, certainly close to making the Super Bowl. Aaron Schatz, thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Um, what, what can I direct them to? Footballoutsiders.com is the website. My big Super Bowl preview is uh, going up Thursday, probably by the time you hear this. Uh, We're also having a big sale on FO Plus, which is our premium product with picks against the spread, fantasy projections preseason and during the season, a big database of DVOA that goes back to 1985. It's 55% off in uh, celebration of Super Bowl 55. Wow. Uh, You also find me on Twitter a lot. F-O underscore A-Shots, which is spelled S-C-H-A-T-Z. 
And there's also Edge Sports, right? And that's EDJ. Edge Sports is the parent company of Football Outsiders. Yes, EDJ Sports. I love that site as well. And and as a FO Plus subscriber, I can give you a, uh, a personalized recommendation that I personally came in second in my fantasy league, mostly because of the advice that I received on FO Plus. So, um, and I am not good at fantasy football. Aaron Schatz, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, your one-day contract is up. I will That's retire great. as a Panther. There you go. Wait.